Steilkast is brought to you by Bet365, the world's favourite betting company. Dortmund take on Union Berlin on Saturday. Will Erling Haaland continue his incredible run of goal scoring? With Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more to build your own personalised bet. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only. Please gamble responsibly. Servus, you're tuned into Stahlcast, the German football pot brought to you by The Athletic. In this week's edition, we'll hear about meat processing being done in reverse as Ardis Frankfurters grind down Julian's vertiginous mountain bulls, check in on Fab Five Bind's master singers making Wagner's ear ring, and find out why the Hof were looking for freedom in Bremen, of all places. This and much more in Stahlcast. Welcome on this less than happy Monday for sport, where we too are deeply saddened by the untimely passing of Kobe Bryant, his daughter Jana, and the other victims of Sunday's helicopter accident. They will all be missed. But football never stops, of course, and it certainly didn't over the course of the weekend, when all sorts of things went on in the Bundesliga. Here to make sense of it all in no particular order are Christoph Biermann of El Freunde and TV commentator and fountain of expertise, Kevin Hatchard. Gents, we start with the biggest surprise, which could well have been the fact that Friedhelm Funkel has stopped giving out unsolicited defensive advice to the Bayern Munich coach, but was actually leaders Leipzig losing at Frankfurt. What happened there, Kevin? Well, it was an extraordinary game, really, because RB Leipzig dominated the first half, uh, made numerous chances which they really should have taken. Uh, Kevin Trapp, who is a very important player for Frankfurt. We've seen that when he's been away injured uh, in goal and he made some critical saves. And then the key moment was just into the second half because Almami Toure, the defender who had never scored in the Bundesliga before, hit a stunning volley from just outside the penalty area, right into the top corner. And the alarming thing from Leipzig's point of view is that they never really recovered. They only really made one decent chance in the second half. And then Adam Ola Luckman, who's desperate to impress his coach, Julian Nagelsmann, having not had many minutes, made a, a critical error right at the end, gifted ball to Gonzalo Paciencia, and he teed up Philip Kostic to make it 2-0. And I think Julian Nagelsmann, the Leipzig coach, was angered by the performance, but also he's not been happy about their performances in training. And he uh, had a bit of a rant, truth be told. He said, if you're climbing a mountain and you're nearly at the summit... You decide whether you want to push on or you go and get something to eat and drink and make yourself comfortable. He said, we don't have the quality of Bayern or Dortmund, so we have to use every minute of training better than they do. And everyone has to decide, do they want to be a winner? And this kind of follows on from a theme he's been pushing for a while now that Leipzig aren't quite ready. They're not a top team. They're taking advantage of the fact that Bayern Munich aren't as strong as they usually are. So this was a damaging blow for them. Well, Christoph, are you convinced by this mountaineering metaphor? Uh, or do you think this is one of the signs that maybe, as you said last week, Leipzig don't have the experience uh, to handle the pressure? Um, I think, though, I think they are lacking this um, this kind of expertise and, uh, and that Nagelsmann is so furious about it. 
um, uh, as Kevin already said, I think it, it also goes in how you um, handle training, for example. So a lot of uh, uh, Leipzig players were not fit for the training. Uh, Nagelsmann was unhappy about it. He was unhappy about the attitude in, in training. And I, I think it's all the, uh, these are all elements that you need to have if you want to win it. And um, and I think what, what, what Nagelsmann wants, he wants to push his team into flight mode, if you like. Uh, they they need to fly because I mean, if you when you look at the quality, uh, they have they have a very good team, but they don't have the best team. So if they want to win it, they have to uh, get over their limitations and and need to fly. And I think that's what what he's trying uh, uh, to to uh, how, how he's trying to push them to to get into that. Is there also a bit of uh, nervousness creeping in? I, it struck me as if he almost sounded frustrated because he felt that this is now, I don't want to say now or never for Leipzig, but that they are in danger of missing out on a big chance if they don't get their act together. I think he feels this is a big opportunity because, as you say, you have this unusual situation where Dortmund have had their problems, especially in terms of their defensive structure. We've had not the consistency from Bayern or the ruthlessness from Bayern that we're used to seeing. And so this is kind of ahead of schedule, I think, for Nagelsmann. It's only his first season at Leipzig. And he's usually in the role of underdog. When he took over at Hoffenheim, he was only 28, the youngest coach in Bundesliga history. He was fighting a relegation battle. He dragged them out of trouble, qualified for the Champions League twice. But this was all against the odds. And he didn't have quite the same pressure. I don't think anybody necessarily expected Leipzig uh, to be champions at the end of this season. But suddenly this opportunity has come along. And so it's now an unusual pressure for him. It's the first time, really, that he's under this kind of pressure. So it's a great test for a guy that you know many people in German football, myself included, think is a genius. I would I would sli slightly disagree with uh, I think it's all uh, it, it's it's all right for the um, for the for his team now but Nagelsmann has said himself he has been winning championships with his youth team I mean you 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 can say ah well it's only a, a, an under 19 team but he uh, also at Hoffenheim uh, when he was winning the German under 19 championship he was extremely pushing a good team, but but not uh, the best team uh, uh, of the year, and 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 so I think um, what you see in his reaction is his ambition. Julian Nagelsmann is so ambitious, and and he is so dissatisfied if somebody is not having the same ambition as him. And uh, so I, I don't want to be a player of Leipzig this week, actually. But you might have had a really good haircut if you were a player of Leipzig this week. <laughs> <laughs> not, not to say that you don't have a great haircut already, Christoph, of course. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Just a word on Eintracht Frankfurt, Kevin. Are they the poster boys for the benefits of the winter break? Yeah, I think they are, because their defeat at Paderborn just before the winter pause, it was awful. They're a dreadful performance, no cohesion. They looked tired. They've had this incredible Europa League adventure throughout 2019, getting to the semi-finals last season. And you can see uh, that they have those miles on the clock. They've obviously lost three key players in attack over the summer, 
in Jovic, Chalair and Rebic, who, uh, you know, have had mixed fortunes since they've been away. And so it's always going to take a while for Adi Huta to turn this around. But I think the winter break did come at a good time because now he's been able to tinker with things. He's gone to a back four. He's made some technical changes that have made a difference. And they've won the first two games of the year. OK, well, also looking very strong and winning the first two games of the year are Bayern, of course. Uh, they completely demolished Schalke at 5-0 at home. And Christoph, your old favourite from Bochum <laughs> days, Leon Goretzka, had maybe his breakout game in a red shirt. Would you agree? Uh, it it looked like it. Um, although I... I um... I sometimes have, have the impression that um, uh, they had problems at uh, at uh, Bayern to to find his a proper role for him. Um, um, uh, he he is there for for quite a while. Everybody is seeing that he is a a good player, a very good player. Maybe not a world class player, but but even on an international level, a good player. But my my impression very often was like, hey, what 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 make, do we make out of him? And uh, and maybe uh, on on Saturday against uh, Schalke they got, uh, they found an answer. And the answer, Kevin, was to play him as a number ten almost, which uh, you could say yeah. is testament to his qualities that he gets a position ahead of Coutinho and Thomas Muller at the moment. Yeah, and I think. He's developed in an attacking sense uh, as his career has developed. He admitted when he was at Schalke and he played a bit deeper that that was the one thing that he needed to add. He needed to add goals to his game. We saw him score some spectacular goals in Royal Blue. And this goal against Schalke, which was a scissor kick, brilliant technique. And I think sometimes people look at him and underestimate just how good he can be technically. He has the power. He drives forward. And I think he's developing that part of his game all the time and I thought he was part of what was a, a ruthless Bayern performance and when we think of Bayern at their best in the last few years your Pinkus Bayern teams could steamroller opposition at Guardiola teams would surgically slice them into little chunks as the game went on but there was always that ruthless edge and I felt that Bayern after a slightly shaky start when Suat Serdar had a big chance early on uh, Bayern certainly had that ruthlessness as the game wore on. But Christoph, this Bayern performance came without their two main wingers, no Serge Gnabry, no Kingsley Coman at the back. There's still no Lucas Hernandez, no Niklas Sule. So not a full-strength Bayern team, but nevertheless, they played one of their best performances since the managerial change. This must be very worrying for the rest of the league. Oh, yes, very much so. And uh, already a week before, my impression when Bayern was winning 4-0 at, at Hertha was they start to enjoy themselves now. So it, it has something like, hey, yeah, we, get, we go out there, we, ha we have fun playing football. And um, they are, um, they are it, it looked free-flowing. Um, as I said, they enjoyed themselves. And, and as you mentioned, it, it's still not their full-strength team. So um, my bet now would be that uh, Bayern will win it in the end. Yeah, I think that's a strong possibility. They're only one point off Leipzig at this point. But let's just mention Schalke briefly, and we'll keep it brief because we don't want to be cruel to them. Is this the sort of defeat, Kevin, that uh, will damage the belief in David Wagner? Or is it just a you know setback that needs to be almost expected at this point? 
No, I don't think it will shake them too much because, you know, playing against Bayern Munich, you're going to have situations where they force you away from the match plan. And I think Omar Mascarell, their midfielder, alluded to that afterwards. They didn't do the things that they planned for ahead of the game. But I think generally they've made such a big step forward. Christoph talked about the fun factor with Bayern. I think that's very much applicable to Schalke as well. They're enjoying their football more now. They're playing more attacking football. And I think that they won't have this as too much of a distraction. Okay, well, definitely not uh, much of a distraction is international football for Gladbach um, in 2020. They're out. They can concentrate on the league. And perhaps it was a benefit to them because they did overcome a pretty resistant mindset to win 3-1. They had to work very hard for it, though. Christoph, that sort of game, does that concern you that maybe Gladbach will not be able to keep this up? Or should we see it as a sign that they can overcome problems and find solutions? Yeah, I mean, they, they, they can overcome problems. They can, they can find solutions. They they are, uh, they have a good team. Uh, but but they are no uh, from uh, they are no title contenders. Uh, uh, th that's my impression. I think they will um, they will be uh, in the um, in the fight for the places for the Champions League and uh, till the end of the season, uh, but uh, uh, they are not good enough to win it. Well, I recently had a chance to talk to Oscar Wendt, their long-serving Swedish left-back, and asked him that very question. Will it be an advantage that they can concentrate, unlike some of the teams around them and above them, on Bundesliga football? And this is what he had to say. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think we've managed pretty well with the, with, the, with, the, with the load of games that we had in the first half of the season. And I think, obviously, everybody would have loved to still be in Europa League, you know, for the knockout phase. I mean, that's, I mean, how fun is that? You know, so I think everybody would have loved to, to still have that, you know, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, until the end of the season. Now we don't. So, I mean, it could be an advantage because then you have, you have more time to, to train, you know, to train the things that we want to do better, you know, to improve on what we think we we need to improve on so there is more time for that um, but at the same time every footballer's dream and wish is to play as many games as possible so um, I just I, I hope it will benefit us I don't see yeah it will benef benefit us because I can't see how it will hurt us that we play uh, lesser games and maybe the only thing is that when we played the first half of the season we had many players involved we could rotate like four or five changes per game. Now we only have one game a week, so the competition will be will be more hard, and the decisions uh, will make more players disappointed. Um, so I would say in, in that way it will be uh, that will be the challenge, I think. But I mean, as long as the team is successful and has success, then you can't complain. Well, it's Oscar Wendt of Borussia Mönchengladbach and watch out for an extended version of that interview up as a podcast and also an article on The Athletic. But he makes an interesting point, doesn't he, Kevin? That perhaps with such a deep squad, Rosa has a bit of a problem making sure that everyone's on board because he can't give them that much game time in the second half of the season. I think it's a great point and, and really relevant because you look at uh, Florian Neuhaus, for example, who came on in that game against Mainz and it was still very much in the balance. 
Gladbach 2-1 up. Dan Zomer had just made a world-class save. And Neuhaus managed to produce this extraordinary goal where Robin Zentner, the Mainz goalkeeper, uh, came way out of his penalty area, headed the ball. He will have felt well clear. But Neuhaus took a touch, turns in field, and then just chipped the ball over him uh, from a long way out. So you look at Neuhaus, he's not necessarily been a regular starter. And you think about him, Lars Stindl, Laszlo Benesch, they have lots of players who are competing uh, for similar spots in that team. Up front, Braille Lembelo had to make do with a place on the bench at the weekend. So that could cause a problem long term. I just wonder with Gladbach, there's still a bit of fragility there. And even though they've got a good defensive record, I think there are gaps for teams to exploit. And I think Jan Zolmer's form in goal has actually papered over the cracks in that regard. Stitch Fix is an online personal styling service that takes the work out of dressing well. It's a fun and light touch. To get started, go to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic. Fill in the style quiz and tell Stitch Fix about your personal style and aesthetic, budget, size and shape, fit challenges, clothing needs and wants. A personal stylist will send you five items of clothing, each handpicked for you from Stitch Fix's selection of 100 brands, including established names, cool emerging designers and exclusive brands you won't find anywhere else. Get started with Stitch Fix today and support our podcast by going to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic right now. That's S-T-I-T-C-H-F-I-X.co.uk forward slash athletic. Right, this wouldn't be the Bundesliga uh, podcast if we didn't talk about Erling Haaland, who was a little bit disappointing on Friday night. Only two <laughs> goals this time as a substitute. That's a 33% drop. <laughs> in in output. I mean, if he continues at this rate, then in two weeks' time he won't score at all, which is a worrying sign, Christoph. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And um, but on the on the other hand side, um, he I mean he he's he's already uh, starting to collect Bundesliga records, uh, scoring the most goals in uh, his first two uh, games and uh, needing lesser minutes to five, uh, score five goals and so on and so on but but, but when he, when i was watching the game on on friday uh, he reminded me of somebody um uh, I, I used to live in cologne uh, several years ago and from there i like to go to watch some football in holland and at that time psv eindhoven um, they managed to get some interesting players from brazil and one of them was Ronaldo, the young Ronaldo. So his first club in, um, in in Europe was PSV, and Haaland remembers me of him. So the um, the the kind of energy he is showing on the so he is like 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 an energy field or so that surrounds him, and um, and and the uh, at the same time. The coolness in front of uh, the goal uh, is is similar. So I wouldn't say uh, Holland is a new Ronaldo, but that came to my mind, actually. Well, we make that the new headline, of course. Uh, Christoph Biermann says Holland is the new Ronaldo. You'll get an angry call from, from Borussia Dortmund saying, please 
don't uh, don't but but but, but but on the other hand side they uh, actually right now they can't stop making these kinds of calls because uh, uh, everybody is thinking for uh, for for terrific headlines and uh, a great comparisons and and so on because it's actually very very impressive and it's so much fun to watch it it is and and do you think kevin that uh, lucien favre will have a chance to to play him from the beginning or, or put it to put it differently will he be forced to to start him in the next game well i think to an extent his form will force him to do that they've got a home game coming up against union berlin and you would think that that's an ideal opportunity to put him in from the start but then who do you take out who misses out because Jaden sancho was unplayable on friday night he set up the opening goal for rafael guerrero in the very first minute scored a brilliant goal himself he's now got 11 goals and 11 assists in the bundesliga this season so he's been, been playing lights out week after week after week marco royce the captain he scored can you drop him so you're thinking is Torgan Azar the one to miss out? But he does a lot of important work without the ball. He gets through a you know mountain to mountain to work. So it is a bit of a dilemma. It's a nice problem to have. The one thing I would say about Haaland, he's making a difference in games because he helped them come back from 3-1 down to beat Augsburg. And even though they were 3-1 up against Köln on Friday, that game still felt in the balance when he got his brace. So very impressive so far. What do we make of Köln, uh, Christoph? I mean, they have improved under Marcus Gisdol, which was perhaps an unexpected development, uh, looking at uh, Gisdol's previous engagements in the Bundesliga. But they tried to press and they tried to play a high line against this Dortmund team. They're really punished for it. And there was maybe some similarities to, to Schalke, who also tried to put early pressure on the build-up, but then were hugely uh, exposed by, by Bayern once they played through that pressing line. Is that something that is... Uh, I don't want to say a new development, but something that shows that these these lesser sides, and of course Köln are different to Schalke in that respect, are trying to stay true to themselves, or will we see them revert to a more deeper defensive line? Um, I, I think when they when Cologne will look at at, at, at uh, the videos of of the game, they see, will see that they didn't do this high pressing very well. Um, so it wasn't difficult to um, to get over it. Uh, so for for example, there was one goal that uh, came from a, a, a long through ball by Mats Hummels to Marco Reus, yeah, and, and that was the second goal, and that was just bad defending. Um, but but I think in general uh, the lesser teams in the Bundesliga have seen that in the end um, even if you have days like Cologne had in, in Dortmund um, it's better to uh, defend higher up than deep down um, uh, trying to dig in yourself into your own penalty box because um, you're kind of inviting your opponent uh, uh, to it and and I, I think in uh, from a strategic point of view, it's in general it's a it's a good decision and and it paid off for Cologne. But in uh, it it was a, a bad day they were having uh, they were having at at Dortmund and Dortmund had a, uh, could have scored even more goals. So, um, but I think they they uh, they um, won't change it. Okay, no change. A bad day. This sounds a perfect segue into our Werder Bremen section. <laughs> um, Christoph, what's happening there? I mean, Florian Kofeld had so many plaudits over the last couple of years. People see him as the next big thing in managerial terms. But Bremen were once again 
hopeless in that 3-0 home defeat against Hoffenheim. Yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, you're right. It's. Uh, it's. They are in a very complicated situation, and they remind me a bit of uh, Stuttgart last season. So, so whenever you were watching Stuttgart, you were uh, thinking, "Yeah, they're having problems," but in the end, they will solve it. And the season moved on and moved on, and they didn't manage to solve the problems. And you can say the same about Werder Bremen. They are not scoring enough goals. They're also not. Uh, getting uh, um, uh, uh, producing not enough uh, uh, gold chances. So um, uh, what you see there is um, maybe if you if it take the the bigger picture, um, I think they overestimated a bit what they did l the last season, and then they were losing their key player with Max Kruse, who who went to Istanbul, and he. Um, and I think they never managed to to rearrange uh, uh, their game, especially when it when it comes to the offensive part. Kevin, you're in Germany quite often in course of your work for the Bundesliga. What what do you hear from Bremen? Do you think the backing for Kofeld is still genuine and sustainable, or do you think, as is often the case in the Bundesliga, they will eventually press the panic button and get rid of him? I think the belief in him is there. Uh, I think they've been very impressed with the way that he's gone about his work. And this is part of a, a kind of vicious circle that we've seen with Bremen over the past few years because Victor Skripnik was promoted from within. He did well for a while, then got fired. Alexander Nuri was promoted from within to replace him. He did well for a while. He got fired. And now Florian Kofeld exactly the same. I think there is a feeling that luck has been against them in terms of injuries because they had key injuries at the start of the season. Uh, in terms of their defensive players, definitely. Uh, Nicholas Moisander, who is their best defender by an absolute mile, has been in and out of the team because of injury. Milos Velkovic uh, had a broken toe at the start of the season. Sebastian Langkamp was out as well. I'm not convinced at all by some of the transfer business they've done. I feel that Frank Baumann, the sporting director, has been very reactive in the sense that the opportunity came up to get them a top rack from uh, Dortmund, and he took that. But Toprak's injury record isn't great, and I think his form's been poor. And I think it's the same thing with Kevin Fogt, because he had a falling out with Schroeder. Hoffenheim suddenly was available on loan, and they made that move, but that doesn't feel to me like the correct move. So I don't think Hofeld has been well-backed enough in the transfer market. Well, it doesn't feel like the correct move to pull the plug on this podcast because it's been very enjoyable, but unfortunately time is against us as ever. My thanks to Kevin and Christoph. Please tune in next week again and make sure you subscribe to The Athletic for a 40% discount if you use the promo code GERMANPOD. <laughs>